If you would, this morning, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. title of the message this morning is, Are You Listening For and To God's Voice? Are You Listening For and To God's Voice? At our annual meeting at church here a few months ago, I shared a story of uh, something that took place in my life, and also I briefly mentioned it when Pastor Hubert Nolan was here from Hope Center Indy and uh, shared with us uh, the ministry of Hope Center. Um, but I shared a little bit of a story, and I want to share again this morning of something that happened in my life, a story that I'll never forget. Several years ago, God laid it on my heart to start a church in New Palestine, Indiana. Um, I can remember arriving there and wondering how this was all going to happen. Um, by the way, I can now write the book on how not to plant a church. And uh, we were going in ignorantly, but with God's uh, leading, and uh, we learned so much about how to plant a church and really how not to plant a church. But something happened one day that I'll never forget. I was driving down Highway 52, and uh, I had this strange compulsion to pull into this large church that was up on the left. And I can remember like it happened yesterday. It was called Brookville Road Community Church, where Pastor Hubert Nolan was the pastor there who later resigned from that church and started Hope Center Indy. But I had this incredibly strong compulsion to pull into that church. It was like I was being told to go there, and me, in like fashion of not knowing what was going to take place, kept saying, no, I have no reason to pull into Brookville Road Community Church. Go to Brookville Road Community Church. I'm not going to Brookville Road Community Church. Pull into Brookville Road Community Church. I'm not going to Brookville Road Community Church. I have no reason to go to Brookville Road Community Church. Go to Brookville Road Community Church. And it's like this went on for like several minutes. I was several miles outside of where the church was. And so for several miles, there's this strong compulsion, compulsion to go. And as sure as I'm standing here, it's like I was having this audible conversation with somebody. And I'm just like, no, I am not going to Brookville Road Community Church. It's a big church. I don't know anybody there. I don't have any reason to be there. I am not going. Go. No. Go. No. Go. No. And finally, I'm doing 60 mile an hour down Highway 52, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm pulling into the driveway doing 60 mile an hour on a hard left turn. And I'm sitting there going, now what? <laughs> I'm here. And it was like the Holy Spirit was just showing me that I'm arguing with God as to what he's telling me to do. And I, I've learned it's, it was of God to go there. But in the moment, that was one of those strange situations that never happens in my life. That's for other crazy people who feel, feel these compulsions, not me. I'm not one of them. And as I was sitting there having this conversation with the Holy Spirit, it was just like God was saying, you need to go in there. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world is happening at this moment? So I walk in the front door. And the whole time I'm walking in the front door, I'm wondering, what in the world am I doing here? So I walk in the front door. It says, offices, before you get into the other set of doors. 
So I walk in the office. There's a secretary sitting there. And she says to me, can I help you? And in my mind, although I did not say it audibly, in my mind I'm saying, I doubt it. I have no idea why I'm here, so I have a doubt very highly you can help me in any way, shape, or form. But audibly I said, well, is the pastor in? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know why I'm asking for the pastor. I, I honestly, God, I, I don't know why I'm there. She goes, well, he's in a meeting with somebody, but he'll be out in just a moment. Uh, so, what's your name? I'm Ken Todd. Well, do you live in the area? As a matter of fact, I do. I just live a couple miles down past the church. Oh, really? Well, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Really? What church? Water's Edge. Oh, we prayed for you last night. And I'm sitting there going, uh-huh, right. Right. You prayed for us last night. I don't even know who you are. You definitely don't know who I am. You just asked me who I was. But you prayed for me. This is all going on in my mind. So a few minutes later, she goes, we prayed for you last night. And I said, oh, really? That I did say audibly. Because I'm still not figuring out what two and two is here. Because it's not equal in four. Just saying. And about that time, the pastor was who, uh, who was meeting with somebody. That, that fellow walked out and pastor stuck his head out in the door. as Pastor Hubert. And he says, hey, come on back. Keep in mind, secretary has said nothing to the pastor other than, hey, there's a gentleman who would like to see you. Walked down the hallway to his office and sat down. He goes, have a seat. He goes, um, what can I do for you? And in my mind, once again, absolutely nothing. I have no idea why I'm even here. I doubt there's very highly that you can do anything for us. And for me, I don't know why I'm here. So as he's asking me what he can do for me, um, I said, well, I just need to tell you a strange story. I said, I'm driving down Highway 52. I feel very strongly this compulsion that says to pull into your church. I said, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I don't really know why I'm here, but I'm supposed to be here. And he started smiling. He laughed, chuckled, and he says, good. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've listened to the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there going, this guy doesn't know me from Adam. I don't know him from Adam. I still have no reason to believe that I'm supposed to be here. But he says, so where do you live? I live just down around the corner from the church. Really? Well, what do you do? I'm a pastor. He goes, really, what church? I said, Water's Edge. He says, oh, we prayed for you last night. And I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. Next words. I haven't met you. I don't know anything about you. But I heard there's a new church plant in town. I want you to know we're praying for you. Okay. Maybe there's some reality here that's truth. And I said, well... Just so you know, once again, I don't know why I'm here. I just felt like I was supposed to come here. Maybe it's just to say hey and leave. Um, have no idea. But I said, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just here. He says, I'm glad you're here. He goes, let me show you around. 
he showed me the church, walked through the auditorium, walked through the fellowship area, walked through the classrooms, the kids, kids' zone area. Little did I know that God would use that church to encourage our church plant for many years. Um, as we were still without a place to meet for a while, um, he gave me an office in their church. He opened up their resources to our church. He said, here's cop machine, here's the books. It's a church that runs 11, 1200 every Sunday morning. Um, it's a church that when they do a Bible study, they buy several hundred at a time, thinking that they'll need several hundred, and they'll only use 800, and then there's 200, but because they bought them in bulk, they can't return them. Well, so the next study, they'll order 100 and need 300, and so they'll order more, and then they'll overorder, and they have this incredibly large resource room. Tons of Bible studies, tons of videos. Every study you can think of under the sun is a huge church. He says, take whatever you want. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> he goes, use whatever you need. Consider it your own. And I'm sitting there going, wow. Then he calls me up a week later and he says, hey, Ken, I've been thinking. Uh, you need a place. Why don't you come over here? Use part of our facility. I'm like, you're just going to give it to us. He goes, yeah. You can meet when we're not meeting. Meet when we're meeting. I don't care how you do it. He says, we have a big facility. Let's make use of it. So God allowed that church to be instrumental in helping our church plant get started. And then just, just because God is just so incredibly good, as we just sang about, that church gave us $500 a month for five years. They just got behind us and supported us. So how'd that happen? I said yes to the Holy Spirit. It was amazing what God did through all that. Because I said, okay, I have no idea why I'm here. I don't want anything. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not, I don't even know why I'm here. And then God just began to bless us through that other church. Numerous times over the past few years, God has put someone's name on my mind. So I learned to pray for those names. Whether it's four in the morning or three in the afternoon. I've learned to say if God has brought this circumstance to my mind, there's got to be a reason for it. Several times God has prompted me to go somewhere specifically to see someone. And I have in my flesh said, I don't have time for this. I really don't. I've got this to do and this to do and this to do. But Ken, you really need to go over and see so-and-so. Lord, I, can I do it tomorrow? <laughs> no, you need to go now. And I get there to find out why God had put it on my mind to be there. I don't know how that really all works. Because I didn't grow up in a church that really was teaching us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. But I do know this, is that as I've said, God, speak, He has. And if we're listening, He's opening doors and closing doors that He either wants us to walk through or doesn't want us to walk through. And we need to be open to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives. I'm fairly confident 
that if I were to ask every one of us in this room this morning, how many times have you had those kinds of moments? Probably for some of you, you'd say it's fairly frequently. For the others of you, you'd say, I'm not one of those people. It's kind of out there. It's kind of weird saying the Holy Spirit told me to fill in the blank. I kind of grew up in the second group. Just kind of felt like that's kind of out there. I don't really have a special connection to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't tell me to do something that the rest of you don't hear. That's just kind of weird. But over the last few years, as God has began to work in my heart, I see things changing. I see things differently. So the question comes to my mind is, what about you? What about you? Are you listening for and to the voice of God? It's one thing to say, I'm listening for God to speak. I'm listening to God versus other people to speak into my life. What might be different? What might we see God do if we would take a step in obedience in this area? It's different. It's not the norm. Although I believe it ought to be more of the norm than not. Right? A little quiet. It's different. I think we've all been in those situations where we've been busy at work, busy at play, maybe even at rest when someone or something has vied for our attention to stop what we're doing and give attention to the situation at the moment. And at that moment, we have a choice to make. How am I going to respond? And we can do one of two things, really. We can ignore it, pretend it's not there, hope it'll go away, and just have try to avoid it, or we can respond in obedience. Those are the two options. And I just found in my life is that those moments, most of the time they come at inopportune times. When I'm busy doing something else. When I really think I have these other things that are really important that need to get done. And I'm thinking in my mind and begin to rationalize, can I really make both these things happen or do I have to make a choice? And most of the time, I have to make a choice to do this or to do this. This may have some immediate consequences. I might be late to something. Someone else might get upset. Or I can say, this is what God has. And I don't understand it. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I just feel compelled that I need to respond to it and do it. It's one thing to stop and respond to something happening around the house or out in the yard and such. But what about our response to God? Just think about that before we get into the text for a moment. What is it that God wants to do in and through our lives? I'm thinking about the very mission trip we just went on. Opportunities come all the time. They really do. They really honestly do. All the time someone's saying, hey, could you go on this mission trip? We really want you to come speak or share or, or encourage the guys or whatever the purpose of the trip is. They come all the time. And my typical response is, well, if you feel like God wants us to be there, then you lay it on someone's heart to confirm that in some way. And that some way is usually... A substantial gift of some sort. It's one thing to say, well, God wants me to go on this trip and $6 came in. 
It's another thing to say God wants me to go on this trip and $1,200 have come in. That confirms it in my mind. It removes the doubt, the question. And so as this last trip came up, wow, the money was there. God laid it on someone's heart to, to help with that. He immediately confirmed it, which really irritated me because I really didn't want to go right away. All my life I've wanted to go on mission trips. But when this one came up, I didn't want to go right away. There was a nervousness there. There was a, a calmness that was not there. And then all of a sudden, not one, but two people gave a gift that, for the most part, covered it. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I'm supposed to go on this trip. All right, you got to do it. But even up until about four weeks before, and I didn't tell my wife this because I didn't want to freak her out, I did not have peace. I'm just thinking, is this the trip that's all going to, plane's going to fall out of the air? <laughs> is this the trip that we're going to have problems at the border? Is this the trip that we're going to get thrown in jail for something? I don't know. Is this the one that we're going to, is this the big one? <laughs> I don't know. But the peace was not there until about four weeks before I left. And I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't want anybody to freak out. Boy, Ken's going on this trip and he's done that peace about it. But I knew God was saying go. So I stepped out. And God did take away the, the anxiety. He took away the nervousness. And there was complete peace on the trip. And let me just tell you, on the trip, it's not easy. Mike, we didn't get to see any sightseeing other than going from the house to the church and from the church back to the house, the house to this church and this church back to the house. It wasn't really a sightseeing trip. We really didn't see anything but unfinished buildings everywhere. It wasn't easy. And I'm just thinking, Lord, what is it that you're wanting to do through this? And he works, and he gives peace, and he takes away the anxiety, and he works in ways that you and I couldn't imagine. But when God speaks, there's a choice to make. Respond favorably and say, God, I'll do it, or not to do it. And both sides have consequences. But it's one thing to stop what you're doing around the house, on your way to the store, to do something. But it's another thing to, to stop and say, God, what is it that you want? In our text, we read the story of God calling Samuel, one of the greatest men in the Bible, to become a priest. And at first, Samuel was not sure who was calling him. But one thing was for certain in the text. He was ready and willing to respond every time he was called. Every time. You say, well, say, is that really in the text? Yeah, it is. So, and let me just say this before we get into the text. How does God speak to us today? I personally think there are f at least four areas, maybe others. I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but, but four ways, generally speaking. Number one, primarily through his word. Primarily it's through his word. And if you're not in the word, don't expect God to speak to you as often, as clearly. And let me just say, when God asks you to do something, it will not be contradictory to what his written word is. It will never be contradictory to his written word. But this is primarily how he speaks to us. And if you're not in it, 
How can he speak to you? You've got to become a student of the word. Let me just say this. I've had so many men over the years say, well, pastor, I just don't enjoy reading. I just don't get anything out of it. It's too hard. Can I just say, those are all excuses. They really are. They're excuses for all of us. This is how he speaks to us. And study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, is not for pastors. It's not for the Sunday school teacher, folks. It's for all of us. This was not given to one person to say, well, I've told the pastor to study so that he can preach and he can teach and he can do the job. What does God's Word tell us? Search the Scriptures as the Brians to see if what is said is so. Don't just take my word for it. Study it. See if I'm not giving you something that's not false. I mean, I hope that you trust that I'm trying to give you truth, but verify it. You have that responsibility to get in God's Word, to study it for yourself. And if you're not in it, you won't know. So primarily through His Word. Secondly, through the Holy Spirit's leading and teaching in our lives. Number three, through other believers. Number four, through circumstances. We'll look at some of these just for a moment. I want to read our text and then I'm going to jump around for a few moments and then I'll come back to it. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. That's a key phrase. He was serving the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and the prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his room before the lamp of God had gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel... And he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Now Samuel had not yet experienced the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Three times it's like he's hearing an audible voice where he's being beckoned. And every time he responded, here I am. Verse 8, or the middle of verse... Yeah, right around 8. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. In verse 10, the Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. How many of us can honestly say that we are listening for, we are anticipating God speaking to us? just a thought do we wake up in the morning say saying with or he's having the thought process go through our minds that today god is going to speak to me god is going to direct my steps god is going to open doors god is going to close doors and i'm anticipating what god's going to do in my life 
crazy thought, right? That we're going to expect God to speak to us. Say, well, I'm not one of those. God doesn't speak to me. He does if you're in His Word. He does if you're drawing close to Him and asking Him to. One of the main reasons that God created man was for fellowship. If fellowship is to take place, there must be communication. We know that communication is two ways, both giving and receiving information. There is, uh, you know, one does a speaking, one does a listening, vice versa. God will speak to us through his word, and we must in turn listen and respond to that. But this presupposes that we are in God's word, right? Let's look at a couple passages here, but we'll come back to 1 Samuel 3 in just a moment. In Psalm chapter 119, 105, here's another verse that we've heard probably a thousand times in our childhood growing up. Psalm 119, 105. Very familiar. He says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Say, well, that's just simple. It really, really is, right? It really is simple. He says, your word is a what? What? Lamp. It's a light. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What does that imply? It implies that when we are in God's word, he is going to use it to create the path that we're to walk on. So does God do that? Yes. Psalm 37, 23 is my life verse. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God is not going to say, I want you to go here, but by the way, you're going to hate every step of the way, but bless God, you're going to go. God does not do that. When we are walking in fellowship with God and God puts us on the path that he wants us to go on, he says, you're going to have joy being on that path. I'm just here to tell you this morning, there is nothing else on the face of God's earth I'd rather be doing than pastoring a church. God has given that joy to me. He's given me that desire. There's nothing else I'd rather do. Is it easy every day? No. Is there hardship? Absolutely. But there is joy doing what God has for us to do. And it doesn't matter whether it's pastoring a church or working in a factory. When you are doing what God wants you to do, there is joy in doing that. Why? Because he says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Why? Because he opens the path for us. He lights it up so that you know where to step. Romans 10, 17, don't turn there, but it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You want to have faith? Get in the word. You want to be reminded of what God's doing? Get in the word. It's God's word that has such a powerful ability to change us. Hebrews 4.12, you know the verse, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Think about that. That's power. You want to see God at work? Get in His word. Let me jump back to what I said earlier. I have people tell me, so I just don't want to enjoy reading. I don't get anything out of it. That's a sad statement. Because one of two things has to be true then. Either God's a liar or you're not one of His children. So that's a pretty bold statement. Yes, it's, it is. Because God's word says over and over that he says, if you're in the word, I will teach you. I will give you the Holy Spirit to remind you of those things that I have taught you. So either the Holy Spirit is not doing its job, which I don't think is the case, or I don't have his spirit living within me to make those discerning 
opportunities available. So if you can consistently read and read and read and read and read and get nothing out of it, you have to question whether or not you're really God's child. You really do. But if you're God's child, you have the Holy Spirit living within you to teach you when you read God's Word. That's the truth of God's Word. In Isaiah chapter 55, it's another powerful verse, really. Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says this, So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. So God is going to direct our path through His Word. You say, well, where, where do I need to go? What, what path do I need to be on? Get in God's Word and He'll reveal that to you. Sometimes we're worried about a month from now, three months from now, two years from now, six years from now. Today is what we need to be concerned with. What does God want me to do today? What is it that God wants me to be taken care of today? Get in God's Word. He'll reveal that to you. Number two, God also speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. I know I've used this illustration again in the past, but consider it again. Have you ever been on one side of the house doing something, and when from the other side of the house you hear someone calling your name to do something else? You say, man, I can hardly hear you. Why? Because you're on one side, they're on the other. Number two, have you ever been upstairs working on a chore when from downstairs you hear someone calling your name to come downstairs and help them with their task? And you, there's this distance and you're going back and forth. Well, I'm working on this and now I'm working on that. And there's the distance. Or have you ever been out in the yard working when from the other side of the house or from inside the house you hear someone calling your name and you're frustrated? Because you got your task going on. But someone's inside saying to come help them with their task. Or to do something else when you're busy doing this. Or here's a classic. You're in bed, all snuggled in, comfortable as all get out, just ready to count the sheep and pass out for the night and die in your sleep. And someone's saying, Hey, Mom, Dad! And they're wanting you to get out of the comfort of your bed. That is the worst. But in every one of these circumstances, there's an internal struggle that starts. Almost immediately. Unless you're more spiritual than me. I'm just saying. There is this internal struggle. <sighs> Do I really want to respond to that? I'm busy upstairs. You're downstairs. You figure your junk out. I got stuff to do. I'm on this side of the house, you're down in the basement. I got stuff, you got your stuff, figure it out. I'm laying in bed. You need something? Figure it out. I'm comfortable. We all have choices to make. And it's one thing to say, I'm inconvenienced. Which usually that's what the case is. I don't want to be inconvenienced, right? None of us does. I got my stuff, you got your stuff, figure it out. Leave me alone. But it's another thing to be disobedient. Inconvenience is one side. Disobedience is another. If you're inconvenienced, okay. So 
be inconvenienced and get up and do it. But when you're disobedient, you're saying no to God. And when we say no to God, there are also consequences. We have choices to make every day. Look at a couple passages here. John 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 15. And verse 26. It says, When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And he says, the one that I will send, the Spirit of truth, he'll give you the discernment that you need to know whether it's an inconvenience or whether it's a matter of obedience. It's your choice. How are you going to respond? You can go back over just a chapter to John chapter 16 and verse 8. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. He says, I have many things to tell you. But you can't bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to speak to us, to direct us. Romans chapter 8, another familiar passage, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, says, In the same way the Spirit also joins to help in our weaknesses, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groaning. The Spirit is there to guide us, to direct us, to teach us. You want to know what God wants you to do? Be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. does that for all of us, if we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Second Peter. One more passage on this point. Second Peter 1 and verse 21. He says, Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man, Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God given by the Holy Spirit to direct us. You want to know what the mind of God is? Get in the Word of God. You want to know how you're to live life? Get in the Word of God. You want to know how you should wake up and, and, get, and, and do your day? Get in the Word of God. He'll teach you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And we all need the Holy Spirit to be talking to us, to be speaking to us for wisdom and direction. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that daily. I need the Holy Spirit to be directing me. And I think you do too. I need the Holy Spirit to help us live right. My flesh is strong. Anyone else have a strong flesh? Some of you are honest. Some of you are lying. But that's between you and God. Our flesh is strong. You want to know which one will live and win in your daily struggle? The one you feed. You can either feed the flesh and it will dominate, or you can feed the Spirit, and it will overcome. It's your choice. Someone once gave an illustration of two dogs. A big black one, a big white one. One representing the flesh, one representing the Spirit. Both, comparatively speaking, generally equal. Both strong, both muscle mass, both strong teeth, both run fast, 
But what one would want, which one will win in a fight? The one that is fed. The one that is stronger. You want the flesh to win? Then feed it. You want the Spirit of God to win? Then feed it. How do we do that? Getting in the Word. Walking in fellowship with God. Being in communion with Him. I want God to speak. So God speaks through His Word. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. Number three, God speaks to us through other believers. I'm thankful for godly, faithful men that we can go to for counsel. Um, that God, just think about this. Sometimes, you, you ever think about this? That God may be placing people into your life for a reason, for a purpose. So you meet someone new. Ah, nice guy. Nice gal. But do you ever think that maybe God has a bigger plan than just you met someone new? That maybe God purposefully, specifically, intentionally put them in your life for a reason? I think God's done that for me. I think God's done it with some of you here in this auditorium. Let me give you one illustration. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know this stuff, right? Yeah, well, you should know it too, just so you know. I am sitting here one day, uh, got up in the morning, and my back was killing me. I, I, I slept on the world's second hardest bed. The first hardest was in Togo, by the way, and I'll, I'll get to that. I woke up that next morning, I could not move. It was like I was laying on a board all night. And I got up the next morning and I, I said, you got to pray for me. I, I, I'm sitting there, I'm looking for the invisible wall, trying to hold on to something because my back was just killing me. And I had someone pray and immediately, I'm not kidding you, immediately I was just like, whoa, that's pretty good. God, I'm good. Yeah, let's go do this. I woke up the first morning in Togo on the world's hardest bed. Same thing. And I'm sitting there going, this is going to be a long two weeks. This bed is hard as a rock. And my first instinct was, I need to call so-and-so to have him pray for me. That was my first instinct. Because it worked before. And God was like saying, why do you got to have so-and-so pray? You can pray. Yeah, you're right. Lord, you know the situation. I got two weeks on this stupid bed. Lord, I can't function like this. Would you just take it away? Guess what? Ask Mike. He was my roomie for two weeks. It was perfect. I love that bed. I slept like a baby every night on the world's hardest mattress. It was great. Four or five nights into our stay there, I woke up in the middle of the night. The room was spinning. I was freaking out. I'm thinking, you know what goes in your mind when you're in a foreign country? I'm in a foreign country. The nearest real hospital is over 100 miles away. What if something is really happening? Your mind begins to play games on you. It's not like you can go down the road to emergency care, urgent care, immediate care, any of them. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world is happening? 
my first instinct? I need to call someone to pray. But you know what God reminded me? You can pray. I said, Lord, I have no idea what's going on. This room is spinning, and I'm a little bit afraid. So, Lord, would you just take care of it? Guess what? He took care of it. It stopped immediately. I'm just telling you. Circumstances that God uses to speak to us. And what God spoke to me through those circumstances is that I serve a powerful God who can answer prayer. I serve a powerful God who is there with me. I serve a powerful God who is able to work. And God speaks to us through circumstances. Those are opportunities for us to learn from, to grow through, and really even to come to the point of praising him for them because he has revealed himself. God speaks to us through circumstances. Through other believers. And what this other believer taught me is that you can go to God. Don't forget that. You can go to God. I'm glad for godly, faithful men that God uses in my life to call areas of... I don't know about you, but I don't really like to be told where my flaws are. I got them. Trust me. Talk to my wife, kids... They'll tell you, I have flaws. But I don't like people telling me what they are. But out of my business, get to your own business, leave mine alone, right? Anybody like to be told? That's exactly what I thought. In fact, you know what happens in our flesh when someone says, hey, there's this issue in your life? Shut up. You got your own issues. Who do you think you are? Now, I'm a pastor, so I don't say that out loud. I just think it. See, if you're not a pastor, you say it out loud. Just kidding. I don't like to be told those things. This week, Carl pointed out something to me. I'm like, in my flesh, I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear this. I didn't ask you. And he wasn't trying to point something out. He just kind of just said it. And the Holy Spirit used that and convicted me. I'm like, I didn't want to talk to you later. i got to go down to my room. I didn't want to hear it. But I needed to hear it. And there's times you need to hear it too through other people. And God speaks to us through other people. How many times have you been faced with a tough decision where you've wondered, I wonder what God wants me to do through this? The situation is tough. I don't, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how to handle it. And God places someone in your life to make a statement, to direct you, to really show you the truth. And you have an opportunity to respond. First, you never know who you might be able to help through a tough decision or a struggle that they may be facing. And second... It means that in order for you to give godly and wise counsel, you had better be in close communion with God yourself. So sometimes God brings people to you, and sometimes God brings you to people. Either way, God's at work, and he uses people to direct us and to work through circumstances. 
Then number four, God speaks to us through those circumstances that he carefully places in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in luck? Do you believe in chance? Do you believe in coincidence? Do you believe in accidents? I believe as believers we shouldn't. I believe that. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in chance. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe that these things just, oh boy, it just happened. I believe in a God who orchestrates our life. I believe that when God allows something good, he has a reason for it. I believe that when something less than good and less than fortunate happens, he has a reason for it. I may not like, I may not like it, but I don't have to like it. It doesn't matter whether I like it or not. God has a reason. How will you respond to it? I got all kinds of verses here. I ain't going to get through it all, but let me just share a couple. Number one, Romans 8.28. All things work together for who? To those that love God. Do I love God enough to trust Him with my life? All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, we see that God uses those things to make us into the image of His Son. So there are things that happen in my life that I would not choose. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't ask for them. In fact, I ask for the opposite of those things, right? Most of us do. But I have to believe that God is in control. If I love him enough to trust him with my life, he'll work his will. And he allows me to learn through that. I think of... Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph. What a perfect example of this. You meant these things for evil. I mean, anybody would have chosen to be hated by your brothers? Anybody would have chosen to make your brothers look belittled through, oh, by the way, you're going to worship me someday. <laughs> Crazy. Anybody would have chosen to go into the lowest part of the dungeon, the prison? No. I don't think any of the things that happened in Joseph's life he would have chosen. Being sold into slavery, sold from his brothers, hated by them, despised by them. You, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. How many of us could have that kind of an attitude? That God would allow circumstances to direct our path. And he said, why? To save many people alive. You see what God did in Genesis really paved the way for what took place in Exodus. There's a whole story line there. There's so many verses. Just think about this. Look back at our text for a moment and we'll close. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want you to see, about, see a couple principles here. Three things. From our text. What do we see about the life of Samuel? Three things. Number one, he was busy being a minister for God before he called him to be a priest. We see that the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. He was busy faithfully serving when God called him. This is me. This is my opinion. If you want God to use you, start serving. God is not going to call the idol who's not willing to serve to another form of service. That's my opinion. 
Everywhere you see God calling someone, they're already faithfully serving. Where was Moses busy serving? Where was, I could go through a whole list of people. They're busy serving. God uses those who are faithfully, busily serving. What are you doing for the Lord? Faith without works is dead, right? But if I truly know Jesus Christ, I'll want to serve him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 9, For by grace are you saved through your faith, and that not of yourselves. It is this gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My works will not save me. But if you go on verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created unto good works. My works will not save me, but if I truly know him, I'll want to serve him. What are you doing for the Lord? God may be trying to get your attention. He may be trying to speak to you. And you're just ignoring it. Putting it aside. I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll respond later. What is it God wants to do through your life? He was busy serving when God called him. Number two. He was willing to respond rightly every time he was called. Three times God called out to him. And three times he said, here am I. What do we often do when a need is presented? Oh, so-and-so can take care of that. Or someone else will deal with that. It could be that God wants to use you, not someone else. Ever thought about that? That God may want you to do this task. That's why he's asking you, not someone else. And sometimes we're presented with opportunities to serve and we give every excuse as to why we can't do it. Every excuse. Someone else will take care of it. What about you? God wants you. I mean, it's not a glorious thing. It's not something you're going to be praised for. But God wants you to do it. And we give every excuse. Three times God called out to Samuel and he says, here am I. Number three. I believe this the third principle here is true. He was greatly used because he was obedient. God used Samuel mightily for the next decades in his life because he was willing to be obedient. When we are obedient, God will do great things through us. Not because of us, Really, despite us. Really? Despite us. Because none of us are great. None of us. There is not one of us that's indispensable that if we walk out, that it's just going to shut down. God uses us despite us. That's humorous. But that's God. There's none of us that are so great that God won't use someone else. They can't use someone else. But think about it. God may want you to respond in obedience. God was greatly, he was greatly used because of his obedience. It just reminds me that we have a choice to make. How we respond matters. We can pretend we never heard, or we can respond in obedience. It's easy to pretend we didn't hear. You know, you're laying in bed, you're comfortable, you're, you're half asleep, right? You're comfortable. Someone's calling you to do something. You know you don't want to get up, so you just kind of like pretend you didn't hear. 
And you know you heard. And God does the same thing. He calls us. He gives us opportunities. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit's leading. He speaks to us through other people who have given us those opportunities. He responds through circumstances or gives us you know, circumstances in our life to get our attention. And we have a response. Either obedience or disobedience. It's our choice. Both have consequences. We've been talking about prayer for the last couple months. It really ought to start with a prayer of saying, God, I surrender. It starts there. We sing the old hymn, I surrender all, or is it I surrender some? We joke about different songs. We change the names, the words a little bit. And we kind of have a little play on words, and it's kind of humorous. I surrender some. I surrender some. Some to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender some. Is that the words? Or is it I surrender all? What's true in your life? I don't know. You and God know that. I just know how God works in my own life. Is that I'm selfish. Talk to my kids. They'll tell you. I wish it weren't the case. I strive to be as godlike as I can be, but I fail at times. But I, my heart desire is I want God to do something great. I want it to be because I'm, because I'm responding in obedience. I don't have a whole lot of talents. I've said that a million times. I really don't. You want to see talented? Look at my brothers. They're all talented. Skinny little toothpicks, athletic, look good, act good, have skill. That was them. I stand up before you saying, I'll try to do my best. Other people are far more talented. But I want to see God do something. I want to see him use me despite me. I want to respond, here I am. Just as Samuel did. Let God work. I hope that's your desire. Because what I see in our church is that we are on the edge of God doing something big. If we would all just take one more step of obedience. Just be open to whatever. I don't know what God may be asking you to do. I don't really know. But I believe that God is speaking to various people to take a step. And here's what I'm going to close with. What's your next yes to God look like? What does your next yes to God look like? What is God asking you to do for his glory? For his sake, not ours. Will you do it? Will you respond rightly?